Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about podcasts, how you can launch your podcast, uh, get uh, revenue with podcasting. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Benjamin Shapiro. How are you? I'm totally good to see. You. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me as your guest. Yeah, yeah, it's a big pleasure. Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, I spoke on your podcast. Uh, you uh, speak in my podcast. Uh, yeah, you took part in my event. Yeah, uh, it's a big pleasure, you know, to learn from you because uh, you have extended experience. I check out your podcast. Yeah, in many ratings. Uh, yeah, it ranks well, you know, especially in SEO and digital marketing field. Uh, can you tell more about your experience, background, and why you decided to choose this direction? Uh, it's popular today. I know it's growing, but why podcasting? Why not video marketing? Why not uh, blogging? Why podcasting? Um, we've we've been on each other's podcast. We're practically family mm-hmm. now. I think that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, and and it's funny how everybody gets into the creator business. So I mean, I can go all the way back to I did musical theater in high school i did drama and plays and acting and so i felt like one of the things that is my core skill set that i've relied on throughout my career and my development is my ability to communicate and so going Mm -hmm. way way back i just felt like i had an underlying skill um, being able to talk to people and communicate clearly and Mm -hmm. so you know i obviously went through the early parts of my career. Um, I worked in marketing. I had some roles in agencies. Uh, I worked at eBay for a long time. I started my own startup. I ran marketing departments at early stage startup. And eventually I decided that I wanted to um, be in entrepreneurship, but I, I essentially started selling myself as the product. I was running a consulting business. And the consulting business was fine. It was successful. It was humming along. And I started the MarTech podcast, which was my first professional podcast, as a way to meet new potential uh, consulting clients. So it was a lead generation tool at first. And the audience grew faster than I ever would have expected. And uh, the show got to the point where we could start selling ads and monetizing um, and it continued to scale, and we built more infrastructure to the point that I've now created multiple different podcasts, and I've sort of started a company centered around the production of podcasting um, and, and working podcasting together with newsletters, social media, and performance marketing. And so now we've kind of come a long way since originally starting the podcast, but that's how I got into this game originally. Yeah, nice. Love it. Uh, can you tell why you uh, run two podcasts? Uh, I know about it. Probably you have more. <laughs> I know about yeah. Voice of Search and MarTech. Can you tell uh, about uh, why you divide them? Uh, what kind of difference between them? Because uh, all of them are about marketing, business. Uh, and yeah, why uh, it's important to have two podcasts or it's enough one podcast? Yeah, tell more about that. Yeah, um, we've got three podcasts active right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in total for my company, we've launched, I think it's six total. So not all of them have been successful. Um, mm-hmm. That happens. I think the term is pod faded. So we've, we've mm-hmm. kicked the tires on a couple of podcasts and let them go. We've pod faded. Um, with our 
the reason for having multiple different properties is to reach multiple different audiences. Um, originally, mm -hmm. I was reaching out to B2B marketers that were using technology to grow their products and services. And so I started the MarTech podcast. Um, as I was scaling that property, one of my consulting clients at the time um, said that they were interested in me creating a podcast with them and they're an SEO company. So uh, I started a second property, which was an SEO focused podcast, The Voices of Search. So coming out of the gates, when I started podcasting professionally, I had two properties and that was more just, you know, I had somebody ask me to create a podcast for them. Um, now we've launched a third property where I'm not the host. Um, so we have the Revenue Generator podcast, which actually has the CMO of a company called Lean Data, which is a, a marketing and sales routing technology. Um, and their CMO, Doug Bell, is the host of that podcast. And so um, the reason why we have started to launch multiple different properties is because different people are interested in different content. Um, and so we try to think more about the audiences um, that are interested and that we can create content that would be compelling for them where there's dense content that would fit nicely in a daily format. So, you know, the marketing and technology, it's a always ever-changing landscape. The technology changes. We need to have a discussion about it. Privacy changes. Obviously, the use of data is a hot topic. All of those things are kind of in the MarTech podcast. Google changes the rules basically every day in SEO. And so we have a podcast that discusses that for the SEO and content marketing community. And then there's this overlap of sales and marketing um, and, and, and how companies make money and think about driving revenue. That's really the purpose for the third podcast. But our plan is to constantly build feeds for specific audiences because everybody has a different need and a different topic that they're interested in following. And so we try to produce short form content that allows them to stay in touch with their specific niche or their specific industry. Um, and we're building products that allows our hosts to be able to have that conversation regularly and, and build their audiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, can you tell, um, which companies uh, can run their podcast, which uh, companies is better to avoid or uh, they don't need it. Uh, for example, um, uh, I found that uh, some of my clients uh, have this opportunity. I told them, uh, start your podcast uh, to jump in this field. Uh, and they replied to me uh, that their competitors don't do it. I think it's opportunity uh, for me. I don't know. I think that uh, if your competitors ignore some uh, marketing channels, it's better to uh, be first uh, on, on the stage. What do you think about this? And uh, tell uh, uh, who needs podcast, who, who doesn't. Yeah, so I think that the companies that need podcasts are companies that have, I would say, more complex products. So I think that mm -hmm. the B2B SaaS companies or services companies are, are great fits for podcast content um, because the sales cycles are long. If you've got a transactional product, if you're selling, I don't know, uh, something that's, uh, you know, you buy it once, it's a, a t-shirt company, right? Mm -hmm. It's more of an impulse buy. You don't need to have and build a regular relationship with the same audience when you're selling one type of t-shirt, right? Mm -hmm. If you're selling a product that is a 
$10,000 a month investment that requires you to bring headcount into your organization to leverage the technology, that's a bigger decision. And so to sell those products, you know, it's not a fly-by-night whimsical purchase. It's something that requires trust, education, and really nurturing is probably the most important thing. So if you're a company that has a long sales cycle, um, if you're struggling to stay in front of your customers and stay relevant, um, you know, I think podcasting is a great fit for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, nice. Good advice. Uh, okay. Um, if you help companies to uh, launch their podcast, uh, where to start? What do they need to do first? For example, if someone is not good with speaking, talking, communicating with others, uh, do they need to start podcast uh, or you can decide all these problems uh, to find the host who can handle the process to learn about their products and share with audience? Can you tell more about that? Yeah, it's easy to launch a bad podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, there's a bunch of tools that are out there that enable people to turn on a microphone and, and be able to publish their content. Um, and so I think that there's some misconception about what do I need to launch a podcast? Technically, you need like a Riverside FM or an Anchor account. And you just press play and record. Now, nobody wants to listen to that, right? You, you probably need uh, a theme differentiation, talent, uh, editors, a marketing list, the ability to syndicate your content and get it out to the right audience. Like to launch an effective podcast is different than what it takes to launch a podcast. And so I think that if you're thinking about, a, let's call it an enterprise grade podcast, my advice is you always need to have at least a month's worth of content recorded before you start publishing. Then you need to think about who's going to edit the podcast. Um, it's not just about recording it. You need to make sure it sounds good. You want some audio, uh, you know, some music included as well. Um, you need to figure out how you're going to tell people the podcast exists because you can publish a podcast. But if you're relying on the algorithms from the podcast portals, the Apples, the, Spotify, the Spotify's of the world, you're going to be producing content for months, if not years, before you start to build traction. So have a launch set of content edited, have great audio content, have a list that you can actually market to, to be able to tell people that your podcast exists. And then you need to think about some promotional vehicles outside of just your original launch content as well. Great. I'm going to tell people about the content, but how am I going to continue to promote it, share it, social media? You could buy ads. There's other ways that you can continue to grow your podcast. So you get to the point of critical mass where you've got a big enough audience where they start sharing the content and then it starts to grow on itself. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, tell more about that. <laughs> For example, I usually uh, share on social media. I have LinkedIn audience. I have uh, audience on other social media, but I'm not good with uh, setting paid ads. Can you tell how to uh, get additional audience? If you have, for example, if you have more uh, a big loyal audience, but you wanna get on your podcast. I have lots of questions for you about how to use social media to promote your content. Cause honestly, I think you're like the world's expert in that. I've, I've seen your LinkedIn posts and that's what we talked about on my podcast of like, you've got like a hundred thousand LinkedIn followers 
And so like, you know, the answer to this question in the social media channels better yeah. than I do. So I, I think that there's four ways to grow a podcast, organic, viral, paid, and partnerships. Mm -hmm. Organic is you create a lot of content and you're relying on the algorithms to start to share your content. And so to me, that's why we produce relatively short form daily content is each week I want five episodes, which means five titles, which means when somebody search, we are five times more likely for Apple to share that content or Spotify or whatever mm -hmm. podcast player you're using. So that's organic. There is virality. And now a lot of the times people think of virality as, well, I want my guests to start sharing the content. And I actually think, Anatoly, this is where you're an expert, which is it's not about getting your guests, your uh, your audience to share the content. It's about your guests. It's about the people that you're working with. You know, I'm a guest on your podcast. I'm going to go out and tweet and LinkedIn post and shout from the rooftops that I was on Anatoly's podcast. And so to me, that's the way of getting virality is you're starting to build this community of people that have created content with you and they start telling people about their experience. Then you get into paid. Now, there's a lot of different ways to think about buying exposure for your podcast content. Um, you can buy audio ads. That's kind of where we've relied is you buy advertisements in podcasts talking about people should listen to your podcast. And to me, that cuts off half of the challenge you need to find people that are interested in your topic that listen to podcasts so if you're advertising in a podcast you already know that you've got one half of the challenge solved so now you know for the martech podcast we're looking for marketers who listen to podcasts if we're advertising in podcasts all we need to know is you know are they potentially marketers because we know they're a podcast listener because that's where we're advertising we do some programmatic advertising as well um, so we have the ability to put um, podcast players in front of people wherever they go around the world. Uh, there's a couple different platforms. Uh, Mopod Media is a great place to buy downloads. Uh, Rockable is another one. Um, and so you can go and you can basically pay to have ads that are put in front of people. And that's great for driving downloads and listeners, but it doesn't necessarily work for driving Sorry, it's great for driving downloads and listens, but it's not necessarily great for driving listeners. So mm -hmm. it's a kind of a one-time listen of a piece of content as opposed to somebody who's going to get into the podcast app and press subscribe and listen to your content overall. So that's kind of how I think about pay it. And then the last one is partnerships. And that's what we're doing here, right? Like you've been a guest on my podcast. I'm on yours. We're a member of the HubSpot podcast network on the MarTech podcast. And so we do cross promotions of some of the other podcasts that are there. And HubSpot's obviously a company that has great marketing reach. And so they help us grow their podcast. So the more that you can sort of build your property to be an entity within this community that you're trying to reach and engage with some of the other content creators and vendors and build relationships there, that eventually helps you grow your show as well. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. You are, yeah, love it, love it. You know, yeah, you unheaded some tips that I don't use. <laughs> I am going to test them out. Uh, okay, I have the question about uh, finding the right team. For example, um, I'm not good with audio editing, uh, video editing, anything. No, uh, I have a team. I uh, tell them what they need to do. Can you uh, tell about your process? Uh, what, uh, how do you find uh, the right people who can 
edit your podcast, submit it, uh, or even to promote on social media or any other channels, uh, how to find them and how uh, to control the process. Yeah, this is probably where we spent the most time over the last two years is developing infrastructure to allow us to communicate who's responsible for what task at what point. Um, how do we communicate with all of the people that are involved um, and and obviously training them to make sure that they know what they're responsible for? Um, we've relied on a couple different resources to find freelance talent, um, Upwork, Fiverr, free up, you know, there's a whole mess of places where you can find labor from around the world that will be contract labor that's very specialized and often less expensive than what it would cost for you to do your content, uh, you know, yourself. Uh, I don't know. It takes like three to four hours to edit like a, an hour long podcast and if I my billable rate is $250 an hour, that's $750 of expenses. I don't want to pay $750 of labor to edit a podcast. I would rather go mm-hmm. find a wonderful editor that lives somewhere in the world where you know my money goes farther to edit the podcast for $10 to $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Our process, we've got a couple different roles within our organization. We've got the host, most of the time that's me, but we've got other hosts as well. Um, when I'm done editing a piece of content, we hand it to the editor. The editor hands it to a content producer, a writer, and they hand it to a publisher. And so, you know, we have, I don't know, like 15 different steps along the way that goes from everything from our outreach to get a guest to fill out our application to a communications person that manages the booking with them and then sort of gets into the actual content production flow. Um, I wish I could go through every single automation. We've got over a hundred different steps and stages. We use monday.com as our sort of business operating system. Um, And so we've got a whole bunch of different automations. So when somebody finishes a given step in our process, it not only tells the next person that they're responsible and gives them some guidance on what they should be doing, but it also allows us to communicate with everybody else that's responsible. So for example, when I finish editing, when I finish recording a podcast, I go into my business operating system and say, this piece of content has been uploaded into Dropbox. My editor then gets a notification that says, okay, I'm responsible for editing this. When he's done, he edits the files and it gives a notification to the writer that says, go write this content. But when the content is ready to be written, then our communications person also gets a notification saying, hey, you need to take these files that are edited and hand them to the guest and get their feedback and make sure that they are up to date. So this sort of coordination of all these different people can be incredibly complex. Um, We started to build infrastructure and now we're basically creating a content as a service business to help people create daily podcasts and we help them find the staff. But like all of our talent is in Upwork, Fiverr, FreeUp, all these other places. That's where we go to find our talent. But it does require a lot of work to train the people on your processes, to make sure that they understand what they're doing, to make sure that they have the right notifications and that they're aware when they're responsible for stuff. 
And, you know, that's really where the devil gets into the details of the difference between what I called an enterprise grade podcast and somebody who turns on anchor and starts pressing record. You know, there's a big difference between the level of sophistication of editing a real great podcast and making sure everybody knows all these different stages. And I pressed record and I published something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Love the process. Uh, I think, guys, if you want to start your podcast, uh, search for uh, employees in Ukraine. You know, many people uh, are without job right now, but, you know, uh, you can find really good uh, experts there in video content, uh, audio content, anything, you know, <laughs> just uh, search for this trend. The first person to hire is mm -hmm. the editor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's one of those. And, and you know, our editors make somewhere between 10 to $30 an hour, depending on their level of experience, their time that they've worked with us. Um, but for 10 to $30 an hour, you can find a good editor for $15 an hour. And mm -hmm. that will save you three hours of time. So for eh, less than 50 bucks, you're going to get mm -hmm. three hours of your time back. I'm using, uh, you know, USD as, a, as the rates because that's where I live. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's a pretty meaningful savings of time for a relatively minimal amount of budget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay, I want to ask you about goals. For example, when I listen to your podcast, uh, I can hear the advertisement. Yeah, uh, you have some sponsors. Uh, and uh, another goal, it's possible that you can find customers to your agency to provide digital marketing services. Can you tell more? Uh, is it possible to kill two birds with one stone or uh, it's better to pay attention uh, with one type? For example, you know, when I check out uh, uh, podcast keywords, you know, uh, in keyword research tools, I often see uh, Jorogan. Jorogan. <laughs> in, uh, it's probably uh, one time in uh, 10 keywords I can find Jorogan. You know, yeah, he's a very popular guy. Uh, but, you know, I think he... Uh, yeah, he uses monetization from uh, Spotify. Yeah, uh, he got a huge contract. Uh, can you tell where uh, new podcasters need to pay more attention to create brand awareness, uh, trying to get uh, uh, good sponsorships or anything else, uh, or even for link building purposes? For example, you know, it's interesting. When uh, I spoke a few podcasts, I found that uh, in Ahrefs and SMrush, my domain rating uh, was increased. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's possible that you can get uh, high-quality uh, backlinks. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I, I think that monetization changes depending on the size of your podcast. Um, the rule of thumb that I was told when I was just starting out is you can make more than beer money when you hit 10,000 downloads per month. And so when I started the MarTech podcast and we hit 10,000 downloads, um, I decided that we were going to launch a sponsorship program. And I did some cold outreach myself to companies that I thought would be good potential sponsors. And we um, secured $25,000 of sponsorship revenue in our first month of ad sales. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that this is probably the norm, but honestly, once we were selling, you know, $25,000 of inventory, I'm like, I'm done consulting. And this is now my full-time business. Uh -huh. uh, so I think what most people think of podcast monetization is I'm going to put ads in my content and I'm going to sell those ads on a CPM basis. And the average CPM mm -hmm. for a podcast is somewhere between 25 to $50. Now, if you have 10,000 downloads a month, 
That is 10 units of $25. It's $250. It is not mm -hmm. worth you doing a podcast and growing it to 10,000 downloads a month to make $250 a month. That's a waste of your time unless you've got other ways to monetize the content. So for example, if you are getting leads to your business, well, the advertising revenue doesn't really matter. Um, the way that we were able to increase our rate of monetization is by adding different types of services. So one of the things that we do is advertorial content. We invite the people who are our sponsors of our podcast to come be content contributors. So some people pay to get access to be on the show and have me interview them. And we call them out as sponsors of the podcast. So it's not like we're trying to surprise anybody. And we are definitely not trying to sell their products or services. We are giving them the ability to create thought leadership. So you can charge basically a flat fee for inviting people that want access to your audience to be guests on your show. Um, obviously, we do advertising like everyone else does, but instead of selling on a CPM basis, we sell on a flat rate, right? So I'm charging $5,000 for 50,000 ad impressions, which is $100 CPM instead of just having somebody else sell my inventory for me. And I'm going directly to the people that I think would make good sponsors and saying, I've got a sponsorship program. Um, we try to uh, be a little bit more technology centric. We run the MarTech podcast. So one of the things that we specialize in is collecting, aggregating, and analyzing the data that our podcast produces. And we have the ability to retarget the people that listen to the content or are exposed to our ads. And so we've got some other services that we sell that the average podcaster might not be able to. So when our sponsors come on our podcast, we say, we'll create content for you. We're going to promote your ads, your offers through our ads. We're going to have the ability to retarget the people that hear your content or are exposed to your ads. We'll put your logo on our website. We've got a newsletter. Now, all of a sudden, we're accumulating all of these different value ads. We kind of bundle these up into packages. So instead of selling a $250 a month CPM rate that maybe an agency is going to sell for you and take a cut. We're now selling ten to twenty thousand dollars sponsorship packages that last a quarter. Um, and and to me, my advice for other podcasters is do the sales yourself. Reach out to the people that are interesting in reaching your audience. Sell at a a package rate as opposed to a CPM, and you can make more money than you would by outsourcing monetization to someone else. Yeah, nice tips. But by the way, you know, um, I got a few propositions <laughs> to be a sponsor on my podcast uh, from big companies. I don't want to mention them. Uh, probably, probably I can uh, 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 I can take them, but uh, I'm not sure right now because I have uh, uh, quite different goals um, uh, by building my audience. Uh, as you mentioned, that it's better to get more downloads today. Yeah, that's that's exactly the point. You know, some people want monetization, right? Some people mm -hmm. are using their podcast to build an audience and build reach because it feeds into their personal branding goals, their organizational awareness goals. So like monetization is great. I run a media business. Monetization is necessary for us to survive. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got agencies and other services that you're trying to sell. And so your goal might not be monetization. So I think that, you know, there's this great pressure for podcasters to figure out how do I make money off of my podcast? And often the answer is 
don't make money off of the podcast, make money off of the rest of your business and use the podcast to promote it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, uh, I have the question. You know, uh, once I read a study from HRS about uh, measuring uh, results from podcasts, and they, uh, on this study, uh, the offer shared that it's hard to measure uh, because uh, uh, you can't get, uh, you can't measure uh, the number of clicks, you can't measure the number of new uh, subscriptions. It's more like to uh, build brand awareness when uh, podcasters also uh, share your name with their audience. Can you tell uh, how uh, companies that wanna uh, order uh, such services, or for example, to be a sponsor, can measure their results and uh, some uh, which companies need it, which companies it's better to avoid because it doesn't work for them? Yeah, I mean, I think that the common metric that everyone looks at is the number of downloads. Mm -hmm. I think downloads are a terrible metric. Downloads are getting files onto devices. It doesn't mean that anybody listen to the content. It doesn't mean that they're a subscriber and they will continue to get your content. So I think that, you know, most of the time when people are evaluating how successful a podcast is, they basically look at this arbitrary number that tells you how possibly big the podcast is, which is downloads. Um, if you go a step below that, you can look at the number of followers or subscribers. But the problem is different companies read out these numbers in different ways. You're Spotify number is different than your iTunes number. They calculate these things differently. So in aggregate, you can look at the number of people that are following you, but there's all these different channels that are telling you how many subscribers and followers and listens. So you kind of have to keep an eye on multiple different um, platforms to get a sense of how many people are listening to your content. Um, if you get real fancy, there's attribution companies that are out there um, the ones that come to mind, uh, pod sites, uh, chartable Claritas, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody as well, but there are companies that basically allow, they ingest your podcast data and they can give you a pixel and they can match how many people heard the content. Do we know if they're a unique household? So they're not telling you individual people, they're telling you households. Um, and then did somebody from that household get to the website of the person that was sponsoring an ad? And, you know, I have mixed emotions about how accurate some of this tracking is. Um, and and in sort of as an industry as a whole, I think that with Spotify acquiring two of the biggest players, Podsites and Chartable, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a concern about, well, how accurate is this data and is it in the uh, end consumer's best interest to believe it? Or is it you know, Spotify telling you how many listeners you have to try to get you to use Spotify? Um, I think it's early days, but there are some podcast attribution platforms. What we do is we um, get a feed of our IP addresses. We drop them into a data warehouse and we then resolve those IP addresses to look at the number of unique mobile app IDs. So we can tell the number of unique households ourselves. Um, and then we've got some tools that give us some audience intelligence um, and, and that'll let us know the household income and the age and the gender. And so we have a, a pretty solid profile of who our audience is. But generally what I'm looking at on a daily basis is not necessarily how many downloads, but how many of those downloads come from a device that is from a unique household. So what some of the attribution platforms are doing, but we basically analyze that data in-house ourselves.
Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember you, you sent me uh, some data after our podcast. Yeah, awesome to learn this data. Uh, okay, uh, I have the question about um, type of content. For example, we have interview right now. Uh, what about other types? For example, Neil Patel and Eric Su, they uh, share some educational tips, uh, short tips. Garvey can uh, speak a lot, you know, like an hour, sometimes uh, 10 minutes, or take some episodes from his e events, you know, just cut them and share on podcast. How to find the right format uh, for someone who want to jump in this field? This is a hard question. And I think it, mm -hmm. I don't want to give you the consulting answer of it depends, but I think mm -hmm. the variables that impact this are what is the type of content you're creating? Mm -hmm. um, what's the format of the podcast you're producing? So if I am creating sports content that is interview based, I might be able to get away with an hour or a two hour podcast, right? If I'm Joe Rogan and I'm talking about, uh, uh, God knows what Joe Rogan talks about these days. About but like, anything. You know, anything, but the, the philosophy <laughs> of something that's happening in pop culture, he can run for a while. Um, mm -hmm. It's a deep dive as opposed to, and it's relatively light. I do marketing content. It's pretty dense, right? It, mm -hmm. It's hard to follow and it's it's hard to digest all of it and make sense of it and make it actionable. So, mm -hmm. you know, with our content, we've, made the decision that we need to produce shorter form content. And a lot of this was a data-driven decision. When I launched my podcast, we did hour-long episodes. And people listened to 25% of an hour-long episode. So I said, well, I want people to listen to more of it. Why don't I just break the hour-long interview I did into two parts? Mm -hmm. We found that people listened to 50% of the episode uh -huh. instead of 25. Then we split it again down to 15 minutes. And we're like, ah, this might be too short. Are we sure we're going to get value? And so we changed the way that we record the podcast to be very sort of topic focused. Today, we're going to talk about podcast monetization as opposed to today we're talking about podcasting. Mm -hmm. And so we broke these larger topics into more discrete episodes. And we found that people listen to 80 to 95% of them. So now I have people that are listening through most of the content. I get more content to publish, which means I get more organic growth because I've got five titles in the podcast app store instead of one. And you know we've, that's the model that we've been running with for the last five years. It's not the same for everybody. There's lots of successful marketing podcasts that do hour-long episodes. I've been on a bunch of them, this one included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, yeah, especially, uh, uh, you know, for, from my experience, uh, I usually use a podcast just to build relationships. As you mentioned that we are family right now. <laughs> you know, when you uh, invite some awesome speakers at your podcast, you can build relationships because if you just reach out to them or comment on their post, it doesn't work if you talk to them, you know, yeah, in real time. And uh, after this, yeah, you can uh, work connections and go ahead with that. So, uh, yeah, and after this, you can find other goals, you know, to share content with them. Uh, we've got audience members who have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you've produced 1,200 podcasts and I've listened in order to them uh, like 800 and I can't catch mm -hmm. up because I don't listen to one a day, but I'm trying to catch up. And I, I, honestly, I don't even remember some of the podcasts that we did five years ago because I've interviewed 500 people. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me to think about the relationship that publishing content has. Like there are people that have listened to me for hours and hours and hours and learned the basics and fundamentals of technology-driven marketing through the MarTech podcast, or they've learned about SEO by the people that I've interviewed on the Voices of Search podcast. And when I get in touch with them, you know, it, it feels like we're friends. You know, I appreciate mm-hmm. them because they are like, I've listened to your content. You produced something and it had a positive effect on me. So naturally, I'm a fan of them because they're one of part of my audience, part of my listeners. And then they've been listening to me talk for hours. And so when you build these connections by consuming content and getting in touch with the person that's producing it, it actually does build a real relationship. You know, I've had vendors that have come to me that I would like, I have actually listened to lots of your content and, you know, I see that you're doing this. Maybe we could work together. And it's a great way to build vendor relationships. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just the people that you're interviewing that you could build relationships. You can also build relationships with your audience as well. Mm-hmm. 500 people. It's a lot. Yeah. A lot. Big audience. Yeah. yeah. It's been a lot of work. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have the question about, um, uh, How to learn more about podcasting today uh, from your experience? For example, you uh, you do it uh, for a long time. Uh, if you started today, uh, what uh, will you do? No, uh, what uh, the first step, second, third, uh, how to learn more about that? And yeah, to go ahead. Because, you know, I read one study that, uh, if I remember correctly, 50% of uh, podcast creators don't record the second episode. <laughs> because they can't get results from the first (laughs) i i our playbook is always to record it depends on whether you're doing a daily show or whether you're doing um a weekly show but but Mm -hmm. we try to be six weeks ahead in terms of content production so before we launch you know maybe we're a month ahead but that's 20 episodes of a daily podcast if you're doing five days a week So I think when we launched our last show, the Revenue Generator podcast, we had produced or edited um, 30 episodes when we launched. Now, 30 episodes sounds like a tremendous amount of work. But when you think about us doing 15-minute episodes, if we're getting three episodes out of an hour-long recording, I only need to record 10 hours of content. I need to set up 10 interviews, three episodes per interview, And now I've got six weeks of content. Um, and so if you're doing it, the format changes how much content you need. If I'm doing an hour-long weekly interview and I want six weeks of content, that's six interviews, six hours, once a week. But I would have six weeks of content because what you don't want to be doing is focus on creating your content while you're trying to market it, right? I only want to have to produce one week of content per week. And mm-hmm. if I'm six weeks ahead, this week I'm going to do one interview for one hour and now I've got another week. I can focus all my other times on promotion, on syndication, on you know whatever the rest of my business needs. So I think the biggest piece of advice I would have when you're starting a podcast is do a bunch of content up front. Make sure it sounds good. Make sure it's edited well. And then when you're actually publishing it, you're not focused on what's my next week of content going to be? You're off of the content production um, flywheel and you're thinking about promotion and marketing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, remember when I started my uh, Ukrainian podcast, uh, after a hundred episodes, uh, episodes we got, uh, it's around like 10 downloads for per episode, no, not a lot. But uh, after uh, 200 or 300, uh, the number increased to uh, 3,000 downloads per episode. No, yeah. And uh, we just... Uh, did what we love, you know, that's it, no, nothing special. And uh, I think if you want to get results, it's better to be patient. Just go ahead uh, and search for a way how you can promote it, how you can get results, and yeah. There's something to be said about any organic growth channel um, requiring patience. Mm-hmm. SEO, social media, podcasting, YouTube creation. Nobody became blog famous by posting one blog post. You got to write and you got to publish every day, every week, every month for every year. And over time, you start to build an audience that starts to share your content and it becomes more valuable. And at some point you hit this, I don't know, inflection point where your content archive becomes more valuable than the new content you're producing, right? So when you're thinking about content and organic content as a marketing channel, it is not what is the cost of one blog post. It is not what's the cost of, you know, this month's worth of podcasting. It is how do I have a resource that's going to be dedicated in producing great content over a long period of time? They are six month to one year investments for you to start to build an asset that's big enough to drive a positive ROI. You should not be thinking about, does my first blog post make money for me? It's your 500th blog post that's gonna make you rich. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, thanks a lot, Benjamin. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, um, thank you for having me as your guest. Uh, I think the first place I would look if you're interested in podcast production, I would go to IHearEverything.com. We've got a content as a service business. We can help you create your podcast. Um, if you're interested in learning about marketing technology, MartechPod.com. Uh, it's our, our sort of flagship podcast. We've got an SEO podcast, which is Voices of Search. You can find it at VoicesOfSearch.com. And if you're interested in the overlap between sales and marketing and how to make money, check out the Revenue Generator podcast, RevGenPod.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Yeah, it's a big, big pleasure to see you. Welcome anytime. And totally. It's always great to connect. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.